Hey y'all, what's up? Welcome back to the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. Tanner Dillon here with y'all as always. I really just wanted to get a quick one out here today. Um, still, on know it's Thursday, Friday, we'll have our um, continue the NCAA preview series with, I believe, it's uh, the Patriot League and somebody else. I believe it's the Patriot League and Independence, maybe. Oh, no, I'm doing Independence um, at the very end of the whole thing with um, the SoCon. SoCon and Patriot are the last one. Uh, next week is uh, this week, coming up tomorrow, will be the MAC and the NEC. So those two podcasts will come up. Uh, that one podcast will come up tomorrow. Previewing those two conferences, then the Patriot League, the, Patriot League, the SOCON, and uh, the three Division One independent programs will uh, be covered. Next week's podcast, which will be the last of our NCAA preview. Um, really, I just wanted to, to, to get a quick podcast out here today um, because it has been some Pretty significant news, especially in the pro game, recently since I recorded the last podcast, uh, which came out on Wednesday, featuring an interview with Rochester Nighthawks goalie Craig Wendy. Um, so first off, let's just start here. Greg Grinlian, now it's announced on Wednesday that he is officially retiring if you remember, he retired actually back in 2017, I want to say. Yeah, 2017, after that season. And, you know, he played for Team USA in Israel in 2018. And then in the fall of 2018, when the PLL was announced, you know, he announced he was coming out of retirement and coming back into the game. He played... Last year, uh, he was banged up for a, a good bit of the year. I, I remember watching him in Atlanta when I went down there, and he pulled his hamstring and had a hamstring injury. And you know, you could tell he, he, he was in pain with like every single draw he took. Um, he, he played the whole game, I, if, if I'm not mistaken. And, uh, you know, Greg Glenn Beast, um, one of probably one of the more pro, uh, predominant faces in professional lacrosse over the past. You know, he's been playing for what 12, 13 years now um, as a professional. I mean, he's one of the most notable faces. I mean, what he's done for the game is you know it far outweighs and goes way beyond uh, just playing the game. Uh, what he's done with the Faceoff Academy. And revolutionizing that position, it's it it's absolutely amazing what he's done and, and his mark on the sport is uh I believe it was Paul Label who said this on Twitter the other um, yesterday he said you know he said uh, you know your mark on the sport is just now getting started um so good Grinlian. Retiring from the PLL, um, for, for, from lacrosse, uh, 35 years old. He was top five in face-off percentage last year. 
went 86 for 172 at the phase-off dot, uh, 50% winning percentage during the regular season. As I mentioned, no heart of a lion. Um, One of the the more fun players to watch Um, overall, just the passion he plays with and everything like that. Um, In a statement that the PLL put out on their media account, Gridling said, physically and emotionally, I've left it all on the field for people I play for and with. The sport, this sport has given me so much. Posted that full letter um, on the PLL's social media accounts. So he will no longer be a professional lacrosse player. But as I mentioned, his work in the game is far from over. Um, expect him to be at the forefront of every conversation concerning the face-off and rules and all of that. Uh, coaching, I- I- anything to do with the face-off, expect Beast to be at the forefront of that movement. In the NLL, the Vancouver Warriors made some moves on Tuesday, by releasing goalie Aaron Bold and signing Nolan Clayton. Bold is in his 15th year, I believe. Um, signed with the Warriors prior to the 2018-19 season. And then re-signed with the club prior to this season. And last year, um, Bold and Eric Penny were kind of splitting time. Um, Penny won that starting job, it seems, over the past couple weeks. Bold has only played in two games so far this year, um, and and they release him. I mean, he's a he's a veteran goaltender and uh, one that you know myself and others have a ton of respect for. Uh, he has, you know, he he's been around the block a couple times. Um, I'll say that you know he played one season in New, in New England prior to going to Vancouver. And then before that, he was with this, uh, the Rush for six years, uh, playing both in Edmonton and Saskatchewan. Uh, he also spent time in Rochester, San Jose, and Piltland, if you can remember those two franchises. So he is released. Um, you know, I don't know if he will get picked up this season, per se. I, you know, I don't know if he's going to hang it up at the end of the year. You know, I really don't know what's going to happen there, but he certainly is a good good goaltender and, uh, you know, certainly sad to see him uh, go. But, I mean, you cannot deny the play that Eric Penny has had uh, there in Vancouver over the past couple, uh, two years now. So with Bold gone, you know, they released him to open up a spot for a true backup in Nolan Clayton. Uh, he was invited to training camp in Vancouver this year. Uh, he's 24 years old from Hamilton, Ontario. Played, uh, was has been playing this year with the Paris River Wolves in the Arena Lacrosse League. Has uh, 8.6 goals against average um, in the ALL this season through three games. <laughs> 
played for Brampton in the MSL this past season as uh, appearing in 18 games, posting a 9-7 record, making 198 saves with a uh, 53-54% uh, save percentage. So Nolan Clayton is takes over kind of as the backup there in Vancouver as they release Aaron Bold and really officially you know, signify um, Eric Penny as the bona fide starter there in Vancouver. Also, the PLL, I mentioned this on the last podcast, I'll just grace over it here. The PLL has officially announced that they will be heading to Lavelle Stadium on the campus of Stony Brook University on Long Island, not in Long Island. Please do not say in Long Island. You sound like an idiot. On Long Island for the third week of the season, 2020 season, which will be June 13th and 14th, when they will be making a stop on Long Island, on Long Island, (laughs) for week three of the 2020 season. Uh, Prior to that, they will be at Fifth Third Stadium in Atlanta, Georgia, or Kennesaw, I should say. And then week one, they'll be at Gillette Stadium in Foxborough, Massachusetts. Um, Call it Boston if you want. It's actually closer to Providence, Rhode Island, to be honest with you. Go look at a map. Um, But Gillette Stadium, Fifth Third Fifth Third Stadium, I want to say Fifth Third Bank, but it's just Fifth Third, um, and Kenneth P. Lavelle Stadium are the three locations for the first three weeks of the 2020 POL season. Also, I believe I got to mention this on the last one, on the last podcast, um, but Miles Jones has signed as a practice player with the Riptide, so that is pretty significant there, even if he's just a practice player, to be honest. Uh, one of the special talents in the game. Now, I said we'd get to some college stuff on here, and so we're going to end with some college stuff. 2020, the 2020 NCAA lacrosse season is, let's look at the calendar here. Almost a week away. On Saturday, it will be a week. On on Saturday, it will be a week um, before the college cross season starts. On you go to lacrossebucket.com, we have some preseason stuff up there that I've done. Um, I no, I did a lot of preseason stuff kind of back in the uh, winter. Well, it's still winter, but back in. December, um, looking at some of the like early, early front runners in each conference and and all of that. So you can go check that out. Um, but recently, you know, I've kind of been looking at some of the under the radar teams in coming into 2020, and some of the best one on one matchups that we could see in 2020. Um, under the radar teams, you know, the first. Three here, so I have what six here one, two, three, four, five. 
Yeah, I got six here. Um, the first three aren't necessarily under the radar. Three of these aren't necessarily literally under the radar where team, like people aren't respecting them um, like within their own conference, but they could make some noise within the conference and nationally. Um, Villanova, the Wildcats, went 8-7 and seven last year and lost to Denver in the Big East semifinals last season. Uh, they returned all five of their top scorers, senior midfielder Connor Coast, who I believe was named a second-team um, All-American by Inside Lacrosse, preseason All-American just this week. Junior attackman Keegan Kahn, sophomore midfielder Matt Campbell, and junior attackman Corey McManus and sophomore attackman Patrick Daly. Coast and Khan really lead this team. Um, I'm looking forward to see Daly and McManus kind of step up more this year as that as the that uh, second third attack spot. And then additionally, like you know, Penn grad, excuse me, Penn grad transfer Jared Warner. Um, who is the brother of Tyler Warner, who played at Yale and is now the uh, short stick defensive midfielder for Whip Snakes. He joins that SSDM group um, along with Brennan Quigley, who's a senior. And Villanova honestly probably has the best SS short stick defensive midfield unit in the country uh, with, with those guys. They also have some depth on the back end as well. Will Vitton, um, freshman, he had a good showing as a freshman last year. And she'd be the starter again this year as a sophomore. Uh, Hobart, you know, they they are maybe the most under-the-radar team, but, you know, a lot of people do kind of joke about Hobart because moving from D3 to D1 back in, what was that, in the 90s or whatever. And they haven't really had much success in D1. Um, but, you know, this is kind of the year in the NEC with the new conference alignment and all of that. Um, and there's not much clarity in the conference because of that, I think. And also, there's not really a bona fide top dog in the conference like there probably has been uh, the past couple of years with a Robert Morris. Um, and the Colonial sh- 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 should still be very good and are my favorite to win the conference, but Hobart, I think, is that one team that is probably right behind them um, in those standings there. And, you know, they they lose attackman Chris Slanian and faceoff man Matthew Pettisini. Uh Those are probably the two biggest losses, but they do return... Um, so they get a new offensive coordinator in Stephen Brundage, who comes over from Marquette. Um, and his offense, I watched them a little bit in the fall. His offense, is, it's kind of, I've watched some Marquette film. Um, I think it's going to work really good with this team, and they're moving fast, and they have the personnel to do so. Um, you know, senior attackman Eric Holden is going to take on a bigger role. Um, but also they have some other talented guys around there. Uh, goalie Sam Luchis uh, is returning as a senior, so you have some experience there, uh, and, and some freshmen too that I think could really step up as well. Brown, 
you know, Cornell Penn Yale. That's the top three in the Ivy this year. The fourth spot, I believe, will be fought between Brown and Harvard and Princeton. I think Princeton's on the lower end of that stick. Um, but Brown, I mean, they are a team that you know, they got a highly underrated goalie, Phil Goss, as a senior. All top five of those scorers return, including senior attackman uh, Luke McCabe and sophomore attackman Darian Cook. Darian Cook was one of the best freshmen in the conference last year. Didn't get a whole lot of press because Brown wasn't necessarily um, that good or on TV at all, but he, you know, he's a guy that I'm looking to make a step from that freshman year to his sophomore year. The offense was 21st in the country in scoring, averaged 19.25 uh, points per game last year. Uh, the, and then on the back end, they got a good mix. I, I mentioned Goss, but out in front of the cage, they've got a good mix of kind of youth and experience that I think should play really well for the Bears this year. Marist is an, another team that I'm kind of listing as an under-the-radar team. They have a buzzsaw of an offense led by junior attackman Jake Wienerman, sophomore attackman Jojo Pereka, who was outstanding, especially in the postseason last year, really caught uh, my eye and many others as a freshman. Uh, they put up four, the, each of them. So Wienerman and uh, Pereka put up 41 and 35 points respectively, respectively, respectively last season. Senior Joe Tooney, uh, he switched from midfield, uh, from attack to midfield last season. Um, and he played very, very good at that, at that midfield spot. Um, I expect them to keep him there, but he can also, because he has played attack, they invert, they can invert him as well. So he has that kind of dual threat option. He's kind of a dual threat uh, quarterback, if you will. Um, sophomore Jame, uh, Jameson M. Burley, I believe is how you pronounce that. Um, I want to say Emerson Burley, but M. Burley. Um, you know, they, Tooney and, and M. Burley, they run the show there at the midfield uh, to add even more firepower. Um, Marist, like, they do have some questions on the back end, but, uh, Jack McGregor uh, and, uh, two poles that they return, Sam, uh, Algami and Tyler Amelito, um, they should be able to get that unit gelling pretty quick. Um, with three of those guys returning, uh, McGregor and then the two poles, uh, Algrim and Amarito, uh, with those three guys returning, I think, you know, with a defense, it's it's so cohesive, and, like, you can't have just one big-time guy returning each year. Um, that doesn't flow well. You saw that with Penn State. You saw that with Loyola. Um, you got to have a defense that is solid across the board. You got two really good guys returning, top guys returning each year. Um, and a returning goalie, even with some youth at maybe the uh, the defensive midfield spots and that third uh, long pole spot, I think Mayo should be should be pretty good on that back end though. But maybe a little shaky to begin with, as a, a, a lot of teams are 
uh, Drexel. They come into the season uh, lead battling. I know every single CAA coach is like looking at is looking at this Drexel roster, saying, "Okay, lead battling is a senior. Thank you, thank you. This dude is outstanding." Played for Team Canada back in the fall in that fall classic. Had an outstanding uh, showing there. Should be a top draft pick in the NLL coming up as well. Um, Matthew uh, Valian, another attackman, senior attackman there uh, for Drexel. Those two guys kind of, you know, give them the keys. They're going to run it. Um, senior faceoff man, uh, J- Jim, uh, Jemiah Kota, I believe is how you pronounce that. Um, and goalie Ross Bluntamal, all the turn. He started as a freshman last year and played very, very well. Um, so Drexel, you know, last year they kind of were quoted as like the Cinderella of the CAA tournament, upsetting UMass and then giving Towson a run for their money. In the CAA championship game, um, the CAA is very foggy this year. Uh, Towson loses a lot. You have um, Hofstra, who I don't think is going to be as good as some people. Some people want to say they can be good. I, I, I'm not buying it 100%. Um, Fairfield has not been good since 2016. They have a new coach. You have Delaware who is a very, very good Delaware team. You have UMass, who lost a lot. But they also returned some quality talent as well. So UMass and Delaware are kind of my top two in this conference. And Towson, because you can never count out Towson, to be honest with me, uh, or with y'all. And Drexel is probably that that fourth spot. Um, if I'm being honest there, UMass... Uh, Drexel, Delaware, and Towson will probably be the CAA tournament. And Drexel, I think, has, I think they got the dogs to get it done this year. Um, it's not going to be easy, but I think they got the dogs to do it. Jacksonville, John Galloway and his Jacksonville Dolphins had a bit of a down year last year. Um, Good core group of guys returning on both ends. The Dolphins could, uh, I mean, they could seriously have a shot at the SoCon title. Um, I saw the SoCon conference, uh, the coaches poll came out today, and uh, they have them picked fourth right now. And so I think they, it's probably where they stand. They have High Point and uh, Richmond up there as well. So. And uh, I think Air Force was number four, if I'm not mistaken. Um, that's kind of where it stands here. Um, Jacksonville, you know, seniors, Evan, uh, Evan Tyler and Jack Dolan returning at the midfield. You have sophomore Bo Bohunter, who uh, blew me away when I, when I watched him play uh, in person last year as a freshman. And uh, senior Dwayne Matushka. I butchered that name a lot, sorry, um, running that attack line, and there's some other young talent guys, talented guys on the offensive end as well, 
Um, I'm really excited about Nahana Salzen goal and then Jordan Young, one of the top returning polls. He was a freshman last year, really impressed with um, how he was able to play and hold his own against some of these top upper echelon guys, not only in the SOCON, but when they played out of their conference as well. Really impressed with him last year. I think he can really um, step it up as a sophomore. Uh, and their short stick defensive midfield is uh, pretty decent as well to round things off for the Dolphins. So we could see a pretty decent Dolphin team in 2020, possibly. get. You know, they were in the SoCon Championship in 2018. So possibly see that again here in 2020. Now I'm going to go over a couple one-on-one matchups to get excited about here. First one, Jeff Teat, Chris Fake. I think we all know that one. Jeff Teat, Cornell, senior attackman versus Yale, uh, junior defenseman, Chris Fake. Past two years, the hype around the, uh, these two matching up together has just grown bigger. Um, Yale has won the regular season matchup between these two teams. In 2018 and 2019, Yale won the Ivy League tournament uh, last year, 15-10. And, you know, Fake did a pretty good job. Like, the first time they matched up together, Fake did a, 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 a decent job, but Teat still was able to get six points out of it. Um, fake, no, in the Ivy League tournament or championship game in 2018, so Brown had just literally shut him down like the game before. And Yale was like, okay, we're going to use that method. And I've, if I remember, like, they just had Chris Fake basically just, fa- just face guard him all game. And he did not do much of anything. Just had one goal. Um, but he did have five assists because... You face guard a guy like Jeff T, and he's going to get his hands free and whip the ball around. Um, last season, uh, you know, Fake was able to shut off T again in the regular season contest. Had a similar stat line, one goal, one assist um, from previously in 2018, the Ivy Championship. T uh, played... Fake much better in the Ivy League tournament this past year. Had five goals, was able to kind of break free a couple times. Um, I don't believe they, I don't think they face guarded him if I if I remember um, like they had prior because they started to figure things out. Um, but you know that's going to be one to certainly watch. Uh, Joey Epstein and Nick Mellon. Joey Epstein was a freshman phenom last year. At attack for Johns Hopkins, put up 73 points, was unanimously voted as the Big Ten Freshman of the Year. Nick Mellon probably gave him the most trouble of any defenseman. Uh, Kobe Smith did as well, but I'll, I'll give, and Kobe Smith I think is one of the more underrated defensemen in the country. Um, he does get recognition and all that, but I think he's more of a first-team All-American guy than a second-team All-American guy. Um, like, I would probably put him over Mellon, but 
he uh, you know, Epstein got Smith on his first game, uh, Epstein's first college game, and he was like he looked timid and timid and and, and all of that. Um, but that should be a, a good one as well. Uh, Joey Epstein, Nick Mellon, you know, two rivals, Hopkins and Syracuse. This was one of the best matchups like all year because, you know, and and really Nick Mellon toned Joey Epstein into a tone style. Uh, the ball moved through him. The ball moved through him every possession, but he couldn't really make much happen other than just whip the ball around. Um, you know, he you know he would try to attack. Mellon would push him out, and uh, Mellon kept him on the outside. You no, know, didn't let him get inside at all. Didn't let him get underneath him much. When he did, the help was there. And uh, Epstein had some trouble with him, so that's going to be one to watch. Grant Amit and Chris Fake, uh, another Chris Fake matchup here. Penn State, their kryptonite was Yale. Um, Grant Amit got Chris Fake in both matchups, um, as expected. Amit, like, Fake in both games found a way, like in the regular season, he held him to just two goals and seven assists. In the, um, so nine points. In the NCAA semifinals, he held him at to three goals and five assists, eight points. Like, and Chris Fake did a, did as good of a job as you're going to do on Glenn Amet. Like, he's just so shifty, and he can just break free whenever. Um, I mean that's surely one that I'm I'm looking forward to watch. Not only the Yale Penn State battle, but Gunnamit Chris Fake and if if Fake can lock down Amit this year, because he was able to do it for like a half, and then Amit figured him out and just kind of boned him. Um, Chris Gray and JT Giles Harris, you know uh, the Tobacco Road rivalry. Chris Gray transferring from Boston U to UNC. And JT Giles Harris being one of the best defensemen in the country at Duke. I mean, this is a must-see matchup here. I'm expecting them to put Harris on Gray. Or Giles Harris on Gray. They probably should. Um, if they don't, you know, I, I really don't know what we're going to see there. Um... They played back in 2018, and Harris, Giles Harris did not start, per se, that year. Um, well, he started that year. He didn't start that game. It was senior day, and uh, so they had a senior start in his place. He started, and it was after the ACC tournament, too. It was that odd. It was that very odd... Um, very odd, like, after ACC tournament game that Duke seems to always have, and Virginia has as well. Although I believe they eliminated that this year. But Chris Gray, um, JT Giles Harris, should be interesting to see what he does there on him the whole game. Um, Giles Harris didn't start or record any stats, like, the last time they played. But uh, Duke won 13-9, and uh, Gray was held without a point. At the face-off dot, we got T.D. Irwin and Kyle Gallagher. Yale and Penn. 
both guys transferring in last year. Um, and this is one that, I mean, the, Kyle Gallagher was one of the only people to slow down T.D. Irwin all year. Um, and this is one that is highly anticipated. They played three times last year. And I think that third one, you know, Irwin kind of went off. And, you know, we had the um, the Rob Pinnell tweet heard around the world. Um, one man shouldn't be able to take over a game like this. Um, and then people calling him a face-off hater and all of that. Um, but T.D. Irwin, you know, did his thing last year against Penn, did his thing against every team. So uh, we'll see if Gallagher can get under his skin again in 2020, see how well he can do. Total upgrade and Drake Porter. Now, goalies don't necessarily go head-to-head, but do have some good goalie battles. And last year, probably the best one was Total upgrade versus Drake Porter, Syracuse, and Duke. Uh, that one was at Sierra North High School. Um, it was an overtime finish. Syracuse had that big comeback, and both goalies played insane, especially down the stretch. Um, Porter ended with 12 saves for Syracuse, allowed eight goals. Upgren made 11 saves for Duke, allowing nine goals. Uh, both, like, you go watch that. There's a highlight video of uh, the, just the goalies in this game, so you can go back and watch that. And it was, uh, it, it was a special, it was a, uh, Special special matchup for sure. I'm expecting another big one between uh, from those two guys when they do meet again this season. That is all for this episode, a uh, special episode, I should say, of the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. Bunch of NLL games this weekend. One on Friday. Three on Saturday, one on Sunday. Next weekend starts NCAA, so it is going to be a busy next few months in lacrosse. I'm excited. Y'all are excited. Have a great week. As always, social media, at Lacrosse Bucket, Twitter, Instagram, all those things. Uh, Go on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast. Leave us a like. Do you like these? No. Leave us a subscribe, rating, whatever. Um, LacrosseBucket.com, where it's always lacrosse season.